Welcome to episode number 99 of the Rock and Roll Research Podcast, where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. I have to apologize for the Spartan background today. I moved over the weekend. I'm in my son's room. It's the cleanest one so far. That won't last long. My computer's on a stack of boxes. I'm living out of those boxes, so give me a break. Hey. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm super excited to welcome my new friend, Corey Grushka, to the podcast. Corey is the founder of a really cool company called Stories Bureau, which is a boutique B2B creative agency out of Philadelphia. And they have a particular expertise, and uh, everybody knows we need this help. <laughs> they have a particular expertise in helping insights pros land the insights by telling good stories. And I thought that was really super cool. So um, Corey's journey through and to insights is anything but conventional, and we're going to talk about all that today and a whole lot more. So welcome to the podcast, Corey. Thanks so much, Matt. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, super happy to have you. So let's get into that. So I know we've we've talked it a little bit. I've heard a little bit about your story, but it's not the 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 typical background that you hear of of somebody who works kind of in the insight space. So Tell us about your professional journey and, and how you got to where you're at. Sure. So my professional journey was basically one that was, uh, I think, marked by change. Um, I moved around as a kid a lot. So maybe that's kind of what inspired uh, me to change so many times. I, I, I seek, new, you know, new things uh, professionally yeah. for sure. Um, I started out as uh, I went to college to be a designer and an animator, computer animator. But didn't want to do the pure creative route. Um, wanted to try my hand at something academic and analytical. And so I took the LSAT, went to law school, um, did pretty well, and then pivoted and ended up working at a large law firm as a corporate lawyer for, um, I thought I would be there for, you know, like a year or two. Yeah. Uh, really always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I, so I thought I would just get a little bit of experience as a, as in the corporate world as a lawyer. Ended up there for eight years, was there through oh, wow. the, the Great Recession, uh, moved around in different practicing. You know, I was doing M&A, Great Recession hit. Uh, so they, they moved me. They didn't ask me. They told me that I was moving to the bankruptcy group, which was booming <laughs> at the time. That's definitely um, a sign of the times, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I ended up getting this like really diversified corporate background as a lawyer in a variety of areas and but I always wanted to get out you know and I finally after eight years my secretary's husband started this small creative agency focused on CPG branding and package design right um, so over time we had talked and talked and I ended up joining up with him mm -hmm. um, helped build that company up as a partner um, and during that time we started getting requests from our CPG clients particularly the insights groups and CPG mm -hmm. to do what amounted to kind of internal communication, storytelling, right. data storytelling. So we would, we started with PepsiCo would have approached us randomly to, you know, to do infographics for a segmentation. Right. And that turned into <laughs> videos and that turned into, you know, do you do presentation design? Yeah. And it just kind of snowballed within the insight space you know, somebody left from there and went to a beer company. So 
now we're working for the insights group at a beer company and yeah it, without even trying people would leave go elsewhere and before we knew we had half a dozen fortune 500 mostly cpg insights clients yeah we, and the work snowball too decks video newsletters you know uh, events um i ended up leaving that company we, and i spun we spun off a new company um called it stories company which is now stories bureau um, and we started it about five years ago. I started on my own about five years ago, exclusively focused on insights clients. Um, yeah, a lot of presentation design for insights clients, main mm -hmm. and kind of like data visualization. And uh, it has evolved and grown to be well beyond that. We do a lot of B two B marketing work, and we work in the tech space a lot. But sure. still, the soul of the business and the core is on kind of internal comms and specifically bringing insights to life, um, it, you know, mostly in CPG and tech. Yeah, super fascinating. Uh, and I have a question about this because, you know, obviously the, as you've seen and experienced, the, the insights world has had trouble with this over time. And it's been a, a big uh, conversation topic, presentation topic all those sorts of things. I'm curious to know um, when the right time is for you to, to enter a project. Is it right at the outset where you are doing uh, planning around who the audiences are going to be and how you're going to have to land those insights? Or do they call you when, you know, they already have the data and say, Hey, can you help me, you know, turn this into something good? Yeah, that's a good question. When we normally come in, just as it works out is when there's been some form of data dump from a research vendor, right? They've gotten the initial 100, 200 slide deck. Yeah. They've iterated on it in, with the vendor. And they're now at a point where the vendor is almost out of the so kind of supporting with ad hoc, you know, can you just cut the data this, you know, just make some changes. But yeah. really it's now with the client team that's in-house with the you know senior director of insights, director of insights, um, and they have the final deck in a very rough format, right? They kind of know what's going to be on all the slides. Sure. Um, they kind of understand the story. They know that they need a sizzle video that integrates some uh, consumer quotes, you know, some verbatims kind of thing. Um, and so sure we'll do a deck and we'll do a video uh for you um that lately has been because we haven't really been proactive in terms of kind of seeking out any other work it's just that's the right. work that naturally comes to us sure where i think we've been most effective is honestly like either program program planning not even specific to a project and i think that's a really important topic because I think it's maybe the most important thing for insights groups, even if they're not going to work with us, the mm -hmm. idea of thinking about their insights platform, you know, you, you're a, a VP of insights at XYZ Corporation, you're a senior director that's kind of like planning out what's going to be going on in 2024, mm -hmm. um, really thinking through what are the kind of, what are the flat, uh, the tentpole kind of projects that we're going to be doing Right. What are the ongoing? Is it brand tracking? Is it we're like what are the key deliverables? There'll be more over the course of the year, but what are the key deliverables? To your point, what are the audiences? 
how are we communicating through what channels? You know, we're, we have a monthly newsletter. We have, you know, we, we have budget for, yeah. you know, the, so kind of thinking out, thinking through even roughly the calendar of work that is probably going to be coming down the pipeline. Yeah. And then what are the dependencies? What are the audiences? I think that's something that like insights really doesn't do very much. They yeah. budget planning, they think about the projects, but the the next level of consideration, which is okay, there's gonna be this project which will kick off in Q2 and it's gonna launch in Q3. Well, who's gonna be involved? How can we how are we gonna socialize it? Yeah. Um, and and like starting to plan around that um, is to me essential and what because like the work itself is very important yeah. and, and 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 expensive, but the key is to activate it. The key is to influence. Absolutely. The key is to inspire action, and that's done by targeted communications. You know. Yeah, I I really love that, and I see it sort of tying to the annual learning plan as you're you know working on that. You're thinking also about your communication plan, not on a project basis, but mm -hmm. You know what is the impact that that the function is having on the exactly? Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. I hadn't really thought about that. But uh, you know, also on a project plan, right? Like the, the, yeah. where we think about insights communication, like we think about like a you know Diageo might think about content strategy for some brand. You know, yeah. Like, what is your content strategy? You know, what's your audience? What are your channels? Um, how much, what, what stakeholders are there, uh, mm -hmm. in, you know, internal, external to support, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that. So, so I'm curious to know, um, as you think about your background and your route to this, obviously there's some serendipity, like with your, uh, with your secretary's husband and all that good stuff, but what was it maybe about, being an attorney that that set you up for success in this role, what did you learn from that experience that you applied to this one? Yeah, so uh, it's a good question. To me, so to me, when you talk about this one being supporting insights with storytelling mm -hmm. and with kind of information design, data storytelling, whatever you want to call it, um, the key to me from an to key to information design to me is hierarchy hierarchy of information okay and i think as a lawyer lawyers are trained they're not trained in i didn't i never opened powerpoint until i got to the creative agency believe it or not right <laughs> lawyers don't really open powerpoint unless they're presenting at some conference um day to day it's all in like microsoft word you know mm -hmm. and so we lawyers work in outline form, you know, everything, memos, things get outlined, memos are built with outlines, Roman mm -hmm. numerals are very important in the life of a lawyer, you know, yeah. um, and so the, and the concept of outline, of outlining really forces you to consider, to me, that's, it's a, it's kind of a core tenet in kind of information design, but it's like, it's important anytime you're organizing like any data, any information, any any presentation, any speech, any communication, sure. any communication strategy, right? Like yeah. what are the most important things? How does everything ladder up to those things? Like what, yeah. where do things fit 
within those mo the, the the architecture of the important things, right? So like yeah. uh, thinking from, you know, like the my legal career really forced me, it did a lot for me, I think, but it really, one of the things that's most relevant is thinking in, from a content hierarchy perspective, from an information yeah. hierarchy perspective and looking at everything we do and especially with the insights work, thinking through like, what is the hierarchy of information? What is the hierarchy of messaging, right? You build a deck. How is the deck structured? It's really, it should be structured based on, even if it, you're not actually writing an outline, you kind of should have it in your head, you know? Like, where does everything fit in? How are the sections broken out, you know? Yep. Are the sections at the same level? Or are you kind of like, are you, are you putting information at the same order of magnitude that doesn't belong? at the yep. same order is there really only two things that are the most important things you know yep um, that kind of uh information organization information architecture like just understanding of like hierarchy is something i've carried into the insights work that i think insights people really really can use yeah as a foundational skill yep and i think i also i've also carried into creative because like creatives are not very good at that either right, right. on the other side yeah, that's allowed me to bridge creative and uh, I think data in a way that uh, I found to be unique. Yeah, I I totally get it now. It makes a lot of sense because I think you know a lot of researchers, like particularly like quantitative researchers, the default thinking is, hey, I've got this questionnaire; it's in this order, so I I run all the data tables in this order, and so yeah. I start building the presentation in this order yep. and it doesn't make any sense in terms of you know what you're trying to learn from the data but it's just kind of ingrained or what you've already learned from the data right like right. Is sometimes if it's strategically considered it might make perfect sense to share beginning to end the way the questionnaire was structured right but right. you want to be strategic about it right you want to yeah take the the learnings that you've uh that you've generated and build an architecture from an information perspective based on that, right? The... Yeah. yeah, cool. All right, so I don't know if you knew this about me, but I used to work for Westlaw uh, for a number of years. I and don't, so that's I, interesting. <laughs> I have to take this opportunity to ask you the Coke versus Pepsi question in the, in the legal field. So were you a Westlaw guy or a Lexus guy? I used both. Uh, I was probably more partial to Westlaw. Um, yes. I, what did you do for Westlaw? <laughs> I did uh, insights. I did insights for six and a half years. So Interesting. Uh, that's why it's such a good product, right? Because of the work that I did back then. <laughs> Interesting. I, I love. To, we'll talk offline about it because I don't know how relevant it is to your audience, but I'd like to learn more because I've been intrigued by that space for a long time. Yeah, it was uh, disrupted by AI, by the way. What's that? It's going to be disrupted heavily by AI. Um, oh, no the doubt. Research space. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I am still Team Westlaw. I'm, I'm loyal to to the company that uh, paid my bills for a number of years and gave me a really good uh, start professionally. So I had to ask. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. So, so given your background uh, and where you sit today, uh, I'm interested to know what the future of insights looks like for you? What's what's going to be important? 
Yeah, I think uh, that's a big question, and there are a lot of a lot of things at play with insights. Um, I, I think about this a lot. Um, we're going to be launching a podcast, and I'm going to be talking about it a lot um, with oh. guests and so forth. You know, I think there's insights. I think unquestionably is going to be disrupted, or will have to disrupt itself, right? Or both. Um, I think insights as a group that is the voice of the consumer. That to me is maybe the most important competitive advantage insights has yeah. to maintain its stature, uh, kind of like into the future, right? What it is, what it means to a, a corporation. Um, I think like insights is already challenged in terms of like, there's many, you know, insights is essentially data, right? Consumer data. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different business units within most companies, definitely all the big, you know, fortune, whatever, um, that are getting their hands into the data, right? You know, from um, CX to UX to uh, insights to analytics to the IT big data group, right. data governance teams, um, you know, like the and even at the C-suite, you know, chief marketing officer, chief information officer, chief, chief, everything is kind of shaking out right now. And it will be probably for the next three years. Mm-hmm. And I think, so I think there's, there's, there's something that's going to happen in terms of like business units competing for ownership yeah. of a lot of the territory that Insights has historically uh, covered. Yep. I think overlaid on top of that is another monumental shift, which is AI. And like, what is it going to look like when AI is all, it's already in the Microsoft, the OneDrive and Teams and like the, so when AI is like fully integrated in all the Microsoft products and all your data is in this walled garden as a company that AI can access, you know, can build pivot tables and, and create formulas and spreadsheets. It's like, so that's also going to potentially challenge definitely the lower level, the earlier career insights people, right? The yeah. more of the production work. And so, I don't know, I'm biased. I think the, the insights will be disrupted. You know, you see in different companies where insights is starting to cross over, you know, like, in, you, you know, I've seen... VP of insights, that's both VP of insights and analytics. I've seen Mm -hmm. VP of insights that is really taking over uh, the data function, the big data governance and uh, data management functions for for corporations and potentially owning even AI, uh, like AI's uh, data analysis work. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, like it's a question of like the future of insights. I think in some organizations it will collapse down to something much smaller in some organizations there's an opportunity to to have a land grab i don't as an industry i don't know where it goes but i think what all these other organiz- business units cannot do is become the voice of the consumer is to actually bring to life actual human beings voices right and tell and i'm biased but like tell stories inspire yeah. and kind of uh like become the facilitator of organization-wide empathy and understanding 
like how their customers actually think as humans, right? Right. Like we're still a ways away from like selling to AI, like where humans are out of the picture. Yeah. So like, as long as your customers are humans, I think that's the one thing that is probably last to be disrupted, which is being truly the voice of the consumer and like influencing the corporation based on what what is our consumer really outside of just some data sets, you know, some data points, right? Like intuition, you know, that, and that a lot of it is storytelling. I mean, like not to promote the work we do, but, um, you know, I think people kind of get that too. Yeah, that that's what feels uniquely human is really uncovering the insights from the data uh, and being able to communicate that effectively. Um, but you said something really interesting there that I think I'm going to just chew on for a while, which is as long as our as long as our customers are still human and we're not selling to AI, I hadn't even thought about a world where AI is our buyer you know but i can see that now and it's an interesting thought experiment so <laughs> yeah well hopefully we're far from that but uh yeah um yeah for sure yeah cool all right so th this is uh you mentioned you're launching a podcast this is a podcast it's media right uh you do some work in media curious to know what media you turn to either for insights inspiration or or even enjoyment in your limited spare time yeah um po so podcasts are at the top of the list so my agency yeah. uh, one of the things that's core competency is we do not relating to insights per se but we do a lot of podcast production work um okay. mostly in the tech space um so i'm very deep into the podcast space and mm -hmm. you know my favorite some of my favorite podcasts are not really insights related but um I'm a big fan of Scott Galloway. He's an NYU professor, marketing professor. Yep. Probably familiar. Um, yeah. Prop G podcast. I listen to very regularly. Um, you know, Lex Friedman, I'm a big fan of. Um, a lot of AI talk, but a lot of outside of AI and kind of general social, political, uh, you know, other st business stuff. Sure. Um, and then from an AI perspective, I'm, and this is, I think, relevant to insights. I mean, to me, the best AI podcast that speaks to the latest stuff that is relevant to insights, and but really marketing, is mm -hmm. the Marketing Artificial Intelligence uh, podcast. Oh, uh, I hadn't heard of that one. It's, uh, they, they launch uh, every Tuesday of every week. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's about an hour long. And it's, it really walks through like, all the latest, but from the lens of a marketing, a marketer's perspective. So how is this relevant to marketers? Yeah. A lot of times the aperture is wider because like you can't avoid the existential uh, discussions around AI. Right. You're talking about AI, but it's really focused on like, what are the players? What are the latest developments, the, the products they're launching? And mm -hmm. then how does this is going to impact the uh, marketing landscape? which I think is like really an important uh, an important thing for insights professionals to be like, not just keeping an eye on, but really diving into. Yeah, that's, that's definitely one I'm going to check out. So I appreciate the tip on that. Sure. Cool. All right. So it is the rock and roll research podcast after all, Corey, uh, we haven't talked rock and roll yet. In fact, you and I haven't even talked music yet. 
So I'm super curious about your answer to this question because I feel like I can't predict it. I have yeah. no idea. So Corey, tell us, okay, you're stranded on a desert island, right? You have three records at your disposal to keep you company for the rest of your days, of your choosing, entirely of your choosing. What are those records? So uh, it would be probably something for sure from Johnny Cash. Yes, yes, absolutely. Maybe, maybe like a, some sort of anthology, like a uh, central Johnny Cash, something like that. So yes. I, I will say, I know that this is a rock and roll podcast. I'm not like a huge music fan. I, I like music. I'm yeah. more of a movie fan and uh, uh, and whatnot, but um, <laughs> Johnny Cash, um, probably the the on the the early Beatles, I'd say. You know, okay, yeah. um, you know, and then I just my my favorite album growing up uh, was the, really for working out when I worked out uh, back in the day when I actually used to work out was the Rocky Four soundtrack. If I was stranded on a desert island and I have to build some structure and I have to do a lot of physical labor, I probably would want to be listening to uh, the Rocky IV uh, soundtrack. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Good choices. Now, I will say that the Beatles is, uh, I think that's the ninth, maybe tenth mention of the Beatles so far in 99 episodes. Uh, definitely the number one choice thus far. So that's interesting. But you you mentioned movies, so let me let me throw that out there. What uh, what movies really speak to you? Um, I'm a big Robert De Niro fan. So yeah. uh, Midnight Run. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, oh, yeah. 1980s, uh, kind of a silly comedy, uh, buddy comedy. Um, yeah. Midnight Run. Um, the Godfather series. Oh uh, uh, yeah, classic. Kind of um yeah after that it's like it's very hard to uh to to create a list of of my favorites you know yeah so, especially on the spot man that's something you got to think right about. right right <laughs> i have to do some research <laughs> we'll give it some thought um because i would definitely love to uh to stay in touch and we should do it soon we got some stuff to talk about following this podcast for sure uh for sure so so, Corey, hey, this has been a great chat. Uh, had a lot of fun. It's been great getting to know you. And your story is just, it's just crazy. It's really interesting to think about that connection between law and insights. Uh, so I'd love to hear a little bit more uh, about that in the future. So let's talk soon, Corey. Rock and roll. Rock and roll.